0: Hey everyone this is Mike DeBliss. This podcast episode is called let's make a deal buying or selling a screenplay. This is actually a fascinating field of intellectual property. Um, It's one that appeals to me um, on several levels um, not only as an attorney who is uh, very curious Um, about intellectual property, but also as an artist, um, as an actor. I also recognize that it's a very um, complicated area, and it's very easy to uh, lose people in the minutia. So I think the best way to back our way into this is by starting out with some basic um, things that might be a little elementary, and then use those as the building blocks to get into some more uh, complicated concepts. Um, so I hope that this will add value to both the uh, beginner filmmaker as well as the advanced filmmaker. As a way, um, and the way I structured this was in a Q and A format. Um, So what I'm going to essentially do is just go through a number of questions and then provide some answers. And uh, as we go through this, as issues arise, um, and as things come to mind, I might elaborate more on my answers. So the first question is, uh, what is the initial step in developing a motion picture? And just to back up by motion picture, what I'm referring to here is a feature film, new media, television movies, television series, or subscription videos on demand. The initial step in developing a motion picture usually requires the acquisition of rights to the screenplay or an underlying property. By underlying property, I'm referring to a book, a novel, a stage play, a video game, you name it and um, the underlying property is usually uh, what the screenplay is based on so it's very important to recognize that there might be two levels um, in in basically in developing your motion picture and acquiring the rights that are necessary to develop the motion picture Um, because it may not just be the screenplay but it may be the book, the novel, or the stage play upon which the screenplay is based. So when it comes to acquiring the rights, it's very important to know whether you're dealing with just a screenplay or you're dealing with the screenplay that's been based on a book or a novel. Uh, second question, who are the purchasers of screenplays? They're producers, studios, networks, or production companies. Three, why would a filmmaker want to acquire the rights to a screenplay from the screenwriter or owner of the literary property? I realize that this sounds very basic and elementary, but um, just to, you know, just to basically fill it out, uh, when the filmmaker decides not to write the script himself um, or hire a writer to write it, that's usually when the screen, when the filmmaker will acquire the rights to the screenplay. Um, So, the acquisition of rights to a screenplay usually arises in situations when the filmmaker decides not to write the script himself or to hire a writer. Four, why does an indie producer, financier, or studio prefer to acquire an option from the screenwriter or owner of the literary property rather than purchase the screenplay outright? Now this raises the whole issue of option agreements and what the thrust of this question is getting at is why is the indie producer uh, or why does the indie producer prefer to acquire an option from the screenwriter or owner of the uh, literary work instead of purchasing this uh, screenplay outright? Well, option agreements serve a useful purpose Um, especially for indie producers who may not necessarily have the financial wherewithal to pay for the screenplay outright. And normally the amount paid for the option is a fraction of the price that would otherwise be paid um, to buy the screenplay outright. Um, And so that's what makes an option an enticing Um, way of acquiring rights to the screenplay. Um, As you can imagine the purchase price for uh, purchasing the screenplay outright could be absolutely staggering, but when it comes to uh, purchasing or rather acquiring an option from the screenwriter um, that could be, um, that figure is usually a lot less expensive than the uh, then purchasing the screenplay outright and um, options are usually a fraction of the price um, that would otherwise be paid to purchase a screenplay outright. Number five, what two forms does an option agreement come in? Um, And now we're going to get into some technical things. Um, There are actually two forms that an option agreement comes in. The first is the purchase of the right to buy the screenplay, and that's what's referred to as the option. And the second is the agreement for the sale of the screenplay that comes into effect upon the exercise of the option. And that's what's referred to as the purchase. Six, what benefits does an option agreement afford a producer or studio? Well, an option allows a producer or studio the exclusive, irrevocable right to purchase a screenplay at a set price within a specified period of time. That specified period of time is usually referred to as the option period. An option enables a producer or studio to undertake development activities, seek to attach talent in the form of actors. Um, and other um, individuals that are necessary to produce the film and other elements um, such as securing financing without having to incur the full expense of the purchase price for the script up front. So it basically um, is giving the studio the exclusive irrevocable right to purchase a screenplay at a set price within a specified period of time um, at the same time, the option enables the producer or a studio um, the, uh, the time it needs to undertake development activities and to um, get the, um, the actors in line, to get the uh, other necessary uh, workers in line uh, to actually produce the film. And again, this is all happening without... The necessity of incurring the full expense of purchasing the price outright and upfront. Uh, why does the owner of a script uh, rather um, sell it instead of have it optioned? Um, again this you know could be uh, viewed as being very straightforward and elementary but um, at the same time it's worth mentioning in most cases, the owner of a script prefers to have it purchased outright rather than optioned because uh, they'll receive a greater payment up front. What's interesting, however, is that um, some owners of the script actually prefer options because it allows them um, it allows certain incentives to come into play as the um, as the Uh, as the film is being created Um, and so for example um, a uh, script that might not have a lot of promise or might be viewed as uh, being lackluster at the beginning um, might show more promise during the development stage and um, that's when things might just blow up for the uh, for the script and for the film and in that case the screenwriter um, gets to see uh, that his um, script is worth a lot more than what he thought uh, it was worth um, at the outset and so that could allow for uh, for enhanced bargaining and for more leverage Um, later on and so there are some uh, there are some uh, script writers who prefer to um, the option route as opposed to um, selling the script outright um, because options could allow um, incentives and could allow um, very enticing uh, marketing um, marketing agreements uh, later on down the line. Um, and so the savvy uh, screenwriter might just prefer to sit back and see um, how the filmmaker brings this uh, brings a script into the world and how he or she creates it and uh, you know what type of uh, what type of... reaction the public has to it. And all of that could lead to lucrative marketing deals down the way or down the line that uh, might not have been um, imagined at the outset. Uh, What type of agreement is used if the producer or studio does not bother with an option, but instead immediately purchases a script? Um, A literary purchase agreement um, is used in those cases where the um, uh, producer or studio doesn't bother with an option but instead immediately purchases a script. Again, it's called an LPA or a Literary Purchase Agreement. How does the Literary Purchase Agreement impact the provisions of the agreement? Well, if we're talking about the Writers Guild of America Basic Agreement, Um, If that's the one that applies, then the provisions of the basic agreement provide minimum guarantees and minimum guidelines for the purchase price, option fee, option period, writing services, and representations and warranties. However, if the Writers Guild of America basic agreement doesn't apply, the parties can still elect to use uh, certain provisions from the WGA agreement. Um, to provide uh, the minimums for their agreement or what we might otherwise refer to as the floor um, for the agreement. When optioning an original screenplay, who is the filmmaker buyer dealing with? Uh, Usually it's just uh, one person and that's the copyright owner. Now contrast that to when optioning a screenplay that is an adaptation of a previously existing um, artistic work, like a novel. Um, The question that arises here is must the filmmaker ensure that he or she is also getting the option for the underlying literary material? I touched on this a little bit earlier. Absolutely, 100% yes. Uh, So whenever there is optioning of a screenplay that's based on a previously existing uh, material such as a book or a novel, the filmmaker must ensure that he's also getting the option for the underlying uh, creative work, that being the novel or the book. Um, And so the right to make a film based on a script that is based on a novel will Uh, necessitate obtaining the right to make the novel into a film and so you can't overlook the fact that acquiring the rights to the novel is just as important, if not more important, than the screenplay and failure to do so could run uh, afoul of a number of copyright uh, laws and um, could make you a defendant in a um, nasty litigation. Now when whether a filmmaker is producing the film uh, or selling the script uh, or both, what is the process like? Well, it's almost like having a startup company, um, <laughs> like an initial public offering. Uh, the filmmaker's first task is to select and form a business entity for optioning um, and then selling and or producing the script. Uh, such as a limited partnership, limited liability company, or a corporation. The type of business entity that's formed can have a huge impact um, in determining the success of the film as well as have as having an impact on the filmmakers exit strategy. So it's very important when this um, idea is in its infancy to think about the type of entity that is going to be organized and to treat this as if it's an initial public offering uh, because it's a big deal even if we're talking about uh, simply an indie film um, you have no idea uh, at the outset um, how successful the film is going to be whether they're going to be branding uh, rights further on down the line uh, whether there could be commercial deals um, that are structured with, um, you know, with companies like, uh, you know, like uh, Hasbro or what have you, to um, uh, to turn out a line of um, uh, of um, of um, some type of dolls or, or action figures or something along those lines. Uh, so you have to do you have to dot all your I's and cross all your T's up front um, to ensure that everything is, um, is done professionally and in a fashion that would um, allow um, you know, branding to come into play later on if the film is a huge success. Now what are the essential terms of an option agreement? I'm going to list them, Uh, we're going to talk about them in a later podcast episode just because they do get um, technical and nuanced. Um, There are at least a dozen of them here. The first um, essential term of an option agreement is is what's called a condition precedent. The second uh, basically is option versus outright purchase. The third is setup bonus. The fourth is purchase price. The fifth is credits. The sixth is rights conveyed. The seventh is rights reserved. The eighth is the holdback period. The ninth is writing services and fees. The tenth is warranties and indemnities. The eleventh is subsequent production. The twelfth is reversion and turnout right. 13th is consultation and approval rights. Uh, the 14th is assignment, and the 15th one is uh, signatures. And as I said, I'll talk I'll cover um, these various um, essential terms in the next podcast episode. Uh, but for now, um, that will end episode one, and if you have any questions, uh, feel free to shoot me an email at mjdebliss at I've also put up um, some really um, insightful blog posts on this topic um, on my blog that's located on my website at deblisslaw.com. Um, you can find it on the Tax Chat blog. Um, and there's a number of blogs that um, touch on this and other issues that, are, uh, relate, that, are, uh, that relate to um, producing indie films. And that talk about um, the various platforms that are available to the indie filmmaker, as well as uh, this topic directly. Um, so I welcome you to check out those blog posts.